you guys doing okay? Settling in? It's been a crazy, uh, crazy few weeks for me, but it's all good. So tonight we're in the book of Ephesians, and we're talking about revealing our true identity. And uh, that's a really this chapter that we're in, chapter five, is a good chapter. So on your handout, I've I've condensed some things from the previous handout, but I'm going to just kind of in review get us up to speed. Uh, You'll see at the top of your handout, for those of you that are in the house, you have a handout. We're talking about revealing our true identity. I've broken the the book down in three major sections, chapters 1 and 2, dealing with um, Christ's deity, chapters 3 and 4, dealing with the church's unity, and then chapters 5 and 6, dealing with the Christian's duty. Uh, And so we've covered all of those things. Let me see. My clicker is not working. Now, it always helps to turn it on. There we go. Uh, The purpose and the theme... And all of that, we've, uh, you've got on your handout, for those that are watching online, they can see that. And again, the, the, the whole title of this is Revealing Our True Identity. So we covered a few, several weeks ago, and you've slept since then, so it's been almost a month, uh, some of the things that, where we've been, and uh, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but we went through chapter 1, and we saw Paul's introduction, Christ's blessings to us, Paul's prayer, uh, how we've been quickened from death, quickened in Christ as we got into chapter 2, quickened in our understanding. So those are the things that we were dealing with with Christ's deity, both the reality, all this big picture stuff, all of Christ's blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus, to what that means to us as we've been brought to life, we've been quickened, and all of this inheritance is ours, uh, and we have this Holy Ghost to teach us that. And so uh, then we get into chapter 3, and we dealt with the revelation. That's where we're getting into the unity, how God reveals to us the body of Christ. We're going to talk more about that tonight, time permits intercession for the body of Christ, what the body of Christ is, how to pray for the body of Christ. Uh, And then chapter 4, we saw the unity of the body of Christ. Uh, Chapter 4, we also saw the diversity of gifts. And then the last part of chapter 4 is the responsibility of the membership, which kind of leads perfectly into chapter 5, which is where we left off. So I'm kind of behind. I'm a little tardy at this party. But anyway, you guys can get all that. And you should have all that in your older outline. So uh, where we started last week, last time we were together was in Ephesians chapter 5, talking about walking, uh, walking like Christ. And so uh, that's, and, and that's really, really where we left off. So I'm going to fast forward to that and uh, kind of just touch on some of the points that we had there. Um, and tonight we're going we're gonna to continue to talk about this one point. Just give me a second here. So. Uh, when we were when we were in chapter chapter five, uh, we started off just talking about how important it is to to walk in love, walk in love, and that that is on your outline, I believe, tonight. So I'm not going to go back and rehearse all of that right now. But we covered uh, uh, Ephesians chapter five, verses one through seven, and if you have your Bibles, let's just pick it up right there in chapter five, verses one through seven, and then I'm going to do a little bit of review of these seven verses, and then we'll pick it back up in verse 8 and uh, get as far as we can in the time that we have tonight. So now we're, we've transitioned um, from dealing with the, the unity of the body and all that understanding to the duty. And we see in verse 1 of chapter 5, um, Paul says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And we talked about that. And walk in love. And you're going to see several statements about walking. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become a saints. 
right? So don't let that be your, uh, you know, what people think of you and see of you. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks, right? Be thankful. For this you know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. That's as far as we got. And, uh, and so we, when we were talking about walking in love, uh, first thing we got to do is walk. We got to walk like Christ. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. We got to walk like Christ. And if we're going to walk like Christ, and really what we see in, the, in verses 5 through 7 is we got to walk in love. And so that's, that's a positive. And the fact he starts off in that chapter, and we saw in, in verse 1, you know, walk in love as. Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for sweet-smelling savor. But then there's also the negative, which we saw in verses 3 through 7, which is where we spent the bulk of our time uh, last time we met. And we just saw that it's, it's important that we mortify uh, the negative and we itemize those as they are in the text, the wantonness, uh, the fornication, um, the uncleanness, the covetousness. And uh, we took time with all of those, which we're all acquainted with, Talked about how to protect, uh, protect protect our biblical identity. That's important today. See, we're learning about our identity, but today your identity can be stolen, right? The devil wants to steal your identity. He wants to take your ID, and he wants you to be somebody you're not. And he wants to he wants to be uh, a phony. And so uh, we also in in that discussion talked about how to watch our tongue, place protection uh, upon our inheritance, right? Uh, you want to take care of that your inheritance. And then the, the weight of wicked words that destroy our ability to walk in love. That, that brought us up to verse 7. And so uh, the last thing we talked about there was if we're going to walk in love, we need to walk away from wantonness and wicked words. And so that kind of gets us to uh, where we are tonight. So, which is point B. And that, does that get you all caught up, those that have an outline? Point B, walk in well, let's see what we're going to walk in. Before we jump into that, let's just look at the text. So let's finish up. Uh, let's look at verses, not finish up, but let's look at verse uh, 8, and we'll run it down through verse 14 and keep going in the text. So that catches us up from where we were last time, and now we're going to pick it up through verses 8 through 14. He says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So here again we see the word walk. So in verse 2, it's walk in love. Verse 8, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things are, uh, that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise uh, from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. All right, so you might guess that point B is walk in light. Walk in light. Uh, walk in light. And I don't, have a, I don't have a slide for that, so if you're online here, um, you're going to have to just take notes the old-fashioned way. Yes, Ron? It is not yet, but uh, it will be posted by Brianna Blowers, but it is not online. No. Um, I should have sent that out. It didn't occur to me uh, to do that, so forgive me. Good question, Ron, um, because I could have done that. So if you want one of those, 
if somebody's asking for that as well online, I can shoot you an email. So uh, put it in the comment box or if you have my email. Is anybody asking for that? Okay. No. This is new. Well, two blanks will be, but there's more. So uh, if they have the old one from the 18th, they can use it and uh, go as far as they can. But uh, So walking in love is a, is a priority. Uh, number one, right? You got to walk in the light as well, and it's the key to walking in the Spirit. So if we love God, we're going to keep His commandments. We're going to choose Him above our desires and the desires of others, and it's going to protect us and those uh, that are going to be potentially deceived uh, or destroyed uh, by the adversary. So the first seven verses give us a comprehensive understanding of what it means to follow God as a dear child and how to love um, Love the Father, right, and keep His commandments. That's really what we saw in the first seven verses is the love. But the idea is that to get to the light, right? So now Paul points out the contrast between love and light, once again, reminding us of our identity. Uh, because our identity is what we're talking about all the way through this, this book. In chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, For we were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So think about, you know... Think about what that says. That's kind of a heavy verse. You know, we don't like to, and I don't think in this room probably we're too heavy. Uh, we're not bogged down with it. But a lot of people don't like to think of the reality of what verse 8 says. You know, what we'd like, rather it say is, for, for you are sometimes in darkness, right? That's what, we, that's what most people want to think. But the reality is, it doesn't say you were in darkness. It says you were darkness, right? It doesn't, it's very specific. Uh, for for you were sometimes darkness. And there's a difference between being in darkness and being darkness. And uh, I don't know about you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands and give examples. We don't want to glorify the devil. But I can remember in my life when I was lost, being darkness. I mean, being an agent of darkness. The devil would use me specifically uh, in ways that, to discourage Christians or discourage people that were good people um, to sin. You know, it was, I remember in high school in particular, uh, and even when I was lost, I was kind of like, why am I so motivated to defile? You know, why am I so motivated? This person has no problem. And I know what it is in retrospect. It was my self-righteousness, right? So when you're a pig in the, in the, in the mire, wallowing around in that thing, you want to bring other people with you, and you kind of want to bring them down to your level to make your own conscience. It, it eases your conscience. Now, I don't know about you. That's how I was when I was lost. So... Uh, so it took me really kind of thinking about those things to, to kind of get to the point that I was like, what is wrong with me, right? You, you have to get honest when you're lost. You have to get honest that you're, you can't get saved until you know what you're getting saved from. You can't get saved until you can't know that you can't be found until you know you're lost, right? So that's, that's, it's, a, it's not altogether bad to realize one day, you wake up and realize, not only am I in darkness, I am darkness. Now, that's what this is about. What God wants so desperately is for people who are in the light to shine, right? He wants us to be able to, to, to display that contrast. Because if you're saved, you are no longer, in, you are no longer not just, you're not in darkness, you're no longer darkness. You don't have an option here. It's, it's light or darkness. You know, it's, not, uh, it's not optional, especially for the Christian. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, period, or colon right there, right? And then the, the ad, admonition is walk as children of light, right? It's sort of like sanctification, right? The day you get saved, you are set apart, boom. You are God's child, you're, you're born again, 
you're a new creature in Christ. None of those things, you don't have to develop any of that. The moment you accept Christ, that is, that is becomes your new nature. Just like the moment as a human, you, you come out of the womb and take your first breath. You're born. You're there. It does not yet appear that you will grow to be six foot two or whatever, or you're going to be, you know, whatever. But that you already have all of that in your DNA, and you will get there. So the moment you get saved, you are sanctified. You are justified. I mean, you are, you are light. But then he goes on to say, now walk as light, right? So you don't just, you're not born, and all of a sudden you just get up and start running. You know, Maurice Green. That's, I'm getting old now. So uh, he's old. Like, Maurice who? Uh, so who's the fast guy? Tyree Kill, right? He didn't just come up out of the womb running, you know, whatever he runs 40, 4040 or whatever. He's fast as lightning. Uh, but he, he had to develop that. But God had it in his DNA, right? That's, that's who, that's, in his case especially, that's who God made that guy to be. And so spiritually, when you get saved, you are light. But you don't always walk as light, right? As a matter of fact, sometimes darkness is habitual. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm glad you came. All right. So, so let's notice that, that Paul doesn't, doesn't say anything um, uh, in this discussion about, about children. Uh, <clears throat> he, didn't say, he doesn't say walk in the light. He says walk as children of light. So he doesn't say walk in the light. Now, John does. We'll get to that in a minute. But here, Paul is saying, walk as, as and like are the important Bible study words, as children of light. So our nature in Christ is that of, of light. And, and when the gospel comes to us, it, it really illuminates our dark, not just our dark minds, but it illuminates the heart. And we were in darkness. We were darkness. Right? And now we become light. Uh, we become a, a generator of light. So when we receive the gospel, we become literally children of light. That's what Paul's saying. He says, walk as dear children, right, in verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. This is what you ought to do. You ought to be children of, of light. And so light ought to resonate from our, our being. So when we receive the gospel, we become children of light. Now in Ephesians 2, which is in your notes there, uh, I didn't write it out, but you guys can get it. And if you're up there, you guys feel free to throw these verses up. Somebody want to read that, Ephesians 2? You might get these queued up, 11 through 13. Paul already had some discussion in chapter 2. Let's grab that verse. Somebody have Ephesians 2, 11 through 13? When you get it, shout out, and I'll give you the mic, which is ready to go. Thank you. That's COVID-friendly. Remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes we're far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. All right, thank you. So Paul's covered this ground, and yes. Did you need me? Oh, okay, cool. So Paul's covered this ground in Ephesians 2, and, and, he's, and, he, and he's reminding him. This is something that we should know, going back to that study in the first two chapters. 
that at one time, you know, we were, we were aliens and specifically dealing with the Gentiles. We had no hope without Christ. We were bad news. We were in bad shape. But now, because of the blood of Christ, we've been, we've been, brought, we've been brought nigh, right? So we're, we're nigh. Now, we not only see that the light, not only do we see the light when we're saved, we become the light to a lost and dying world. At the resurrection, the illumination of our glorified bodies will reveal how we walked in the light. So I want to just kind of think about this a little bit. It's not just that, like, you're in darkness or you're in light, like you're some, you know, inanimate object. You are either darkness or you are light, right? And if you are a Christian, Paul is saying you should be illuminating the light of Christ. You should be, you should be a light bulb. Why? Because, well, the blood of Christ, man, it's, it's done its job. You are a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, old things are come new. I'm a new creature in Christ. And so in 1 Corinthians, now let's keep going back a few more chapters. 1 Corinthians, let's go back there to chapter 15. And let's see a little bit about, I want to look a little bit at the resurrection. Yeah, 35 through 49. Oh, you guys don't have these notes, do you? I'm sorry. You do have the handout, right? Oh, uh, who, do you have those? Run one of those up to the booth, please. For all of you guys at home, sorry for the technical difficulties, but we're just rolling. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that'll make your life a lot easier. What is this chapter? Does anybody know what's the primary subject of this of chapter 15? Yeah, it's the resurrection chapter. And so um, anyone want to read 35 through 49? If you do, you gotta you got to use the mic. Everybody's clamoring for, for Vicky. They're, they're ripping it out of her hand right now. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and read it. First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty-five through forty-nine. But some man will say, "How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come?" Thou fool! That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain, but. God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but ye are one. Uh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh or another of fishes, and other of birds. These are also celestial. There are also. I'm sorry. I'm just butchering this. There are also celestial bodies. Verse forty, and bodies terrestrial. What does that mean? What is a celestial body? Does anybody know? Huh? I'm sorry. I've... Alien? Yeah, it's it's a it's well when you think of a celestial body, it's a heavenly body. You're right, like alien. And then a terrestrial body is that's earthly, right? Terraforma, that's the earth. So uh, ter- like ET, phone home, extraterrestrials, another planet, another place. So terrestrial though is to mean it means the earth. Celestial means heaven. And so he says there's different, just like different. People, you know, body, human bodies are different from animal bodies, which are different from fish bodies. The fish can't breathe up here in the atmosphere. And we, without oxygen tanks, we're not going to breathe underwater very well, right? So God makes bodies to go in different places. So he says, hey, listen, there are heavenly bodies. There are earthly or terrestrial bodies. Verse 41, there is one glory of the sun. That's a heavenly body, right? And another glory of the moon, that's a heavenly body. And another glory of the stars, all of those are celestials. But they're all bodies of light. The sun, the moon, the stars. 
Uh, and then he goes on to say, for one star differeth another from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in, in corruption, right? So this body that goes in the ground, it's just a seed. It's a kernel. You know, when you harvest a, a crop of any sort, let's just use corn, for instance, so you get those corn stalks. Those corn stalks are, you know, some they can get tall. They can get six foot plus. But you just put a kernel on the ground. You don't don't plant a, you don't put a six foot corn stalk underground to get a six foot corn stalk. You just put a bare grain of wheat. You know, when I was a little kid, they used to have this little movie, Johnny Appleseed, running around Johnny Appleseed, putting his apple seeds all over, and, you know, the whole world turns into a big bunch of apple uh, orchards, you know. And so uh, it's all about the seed and, and planting those seeds. Well, God, God says, you know what? When someone's body gets planted, it goes in a, it goes in a terrestrial body. It's just a, like a piece of corn. But when it comes out, it is a whole other thing. It comes up out of the ground completely different. It's sown. He says it's sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. That's one big difference. It goes down flesh and blood, man. It can't inherit the kingdom of God. But when it comes up, man, it's completely different. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body, just so nobody can miss it. Right? There is earthly and there is heavenly. There is terrestrial. There is celestial. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Who's the last Adam? Yeah, Jesus is the last Adam. I noticed, I used to call that the second Adam, but it's not the se- Jesus is not the second Adam. He is the last Adam. Because, well, he, he cured the, the cancer of sin, right? He has cured us of sin and death. And so he's the last Adam. And he was made a quickening spirit. What's he do? He brings us to life from the dead. The first Adam, right? The, the, you know, he says there, the first Adam was made a living soul. When you get born physically, what comes with you? You take that breath and man becomes a, a living soul. The next Adam, but the problem is you're dead in trespass and sins. Jesus Christ comes, the last Adam, and quickens that soul and catches you away into eternal life, changes you from the inside out, gives you his, his spirit. Howbeit, that which was, verse 46, that which was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy, there's your terrestrial. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Not like the Lord. He is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such also are they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such also are they that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Oh, okay, well, what's that mean? There's a lot of things in that. I wish I had more time than I even have. But let's just, just quickly talk about the image because the Bible tells us, I think it's Colossians, I didn't put it in my notes, but Jesus Christ is the express image of God. So you want to know what God looks like, well, he looks like Jesus, because Jesus is God. That's, that's his image. Hebrews 1, 2. Thank you, Ron. So if you're looking for the cross-reference on that, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. Jesus Christ, he is the express image, I'm going to look it up, and person of God. Let me... Get, let me just look at that real quick to check Ron out. Not that Ron's wrong, but the Word of God's always right. God who sundry times. 
It's not Hebrews only. Where's it at, Ron? Yeah, by his Son, who hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he hath made the worlds. Um, that is not the one that says that he's expressed image of God. I think it's Colossians. No, verse 3. Who being in the brightness of his glory. Thank you. You got it. And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So, very good. Thank you, Ron. So first, if you cross-reference Hebrews 1, 3 with Philippians chapter 2, you will see who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Well, it's Jesus Christ. Yeah, Ron. That's the one I had in my mind. Colossians 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Both of those are great references. He's the image of the invisible God. And so, um, so Jesus Christ is the image. Now, when you think about that, uh, it says, as we have borne, in, in, he, in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Well, Jesus Christ is, if you read Revelation, uh, he's, he's bright. His eyes are as a flame of fire, his feet are glowing. I mean, he's a light being. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so Malachi 4.2 tells us... Uh, that Jesus, a name for Jesus, this is a prophecy. It says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, that's a prophecy to the nation of Israel. But just some of your turnings, so let's just look at that just a moment. And, and just look at the attributes attributed to Christ. This is the last chapter of the Old Testament. As we're in the book of Malachi right now on Sunday morning. It's the last chapter of the Old Testament, second verse. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, only place you're going to see the Son is a pronoun, capital S-U-N, like a, I mean a proper noun, I should say, not a pronoun, a proper noun, capital S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness, arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as the calves, and ye shall tread down the wicked, uh, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in, that, in the day that I shall do this, Say it, the Lord of hosts. All right. I'm not going to read more of that, but the bottom line is he's talking about how the Jesus Christ that is coming is like the Son of righteousness. Now, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, we see that there is a magnification in glory in the second heaven. Uh, during the day, what is the only star you see in the daytime? The sun. There ain't going to be a brighter star in the sky that you're ever going to see on earth than the sun. Because the sun, well, it's a picture of Christ. His light is just absolutely exceeding everything. And when, he, when, he's, when he's shining, the lights are on. Now, the Bible's telling us, Paul's like, man, you are children of light. You need to walk as children of light. You are children of light. Now, Revelation chapter 21, go back to the back of your Bible. Go all the way to the back in Revelation 21. And look at verse 23. Now we're, we're fast-forwarding through time. We're getting through the second coming of Christ, through the millennium. And in chapter 21, uh, does anybody want to read verse 23? Can I get anyone to read other than Mrs. No. Okay, thank you. Vicki, Mrs. Slicer has relinquished the baton. Yes, you do, or it won't be heard online, so all of our friends online can't hear us. 
but it's Revelation 21, 23. Thank you. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Oh, oh, thank you so much, Amy. So, when it's all said and done, and Jesus Christ is sitting on his throne, he is the light. I mean, it's not like he's like the light. It says it, says it she just read it, the city, speaking of New Jerusalem, the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine. He's even brighter than the sun. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. I mean, he is amazing. He is bright, right? Jesus Christ isn't just in white robes in Revelation. He is bright. You know, what color is Jesus? Is he, is he what color was he? I'll tell you what he is now. He's, he's bright. <laughs> he's light. You know, it isn't about his, his melatonin. He is bright. He is light. And so in Acts 22 and verse 6, uh, just uh, just go back there. Just I just want to remind you of what happened on the road, uh, on the as Paul's recounting his journey on the road to Damascus, right? Yeah. Uh, anybody want to read that? What's that? Oh, they've already got it. You guys are ahead of the game. So Acts 22. I'm still turning there. Acts 22 and verse six. The Bible here says, It came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh to Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And isn't that interesting? Paul says, I fell under the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That's a whole other study. Because Paul was persecuting the church. That's part of what we're getting into here as well in chapter 5 is the body principle. The mystery of Christ in the church. So Paul's, he's persecuting the church. He runs into the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And what's he see? Light. Shines all around him. Now also you see angels, right? Remember when the incarnation, shepherds, angels show up and there's light. What's all that about? Well, they're celestial beings. And so, uh, and you know what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3? When you're born again, you become a son of God. The only two things in the Bible that are sons of God are angels and you. Because you are fit, you are, your destination, if you're a Christian, is celestial. You are going to have a spiritual body. And just because it's spiritual, obviously, doesn't mean it can't come to a terrestrial place, or Jesus Christ wouldn't be hanging out with his disciples after the resurrection. Right? So he's able to transcend time and space in this spiritual body. So we should admit, now let's get practical. That's a little bit of the, that's a little something to chew on, maybe if you haven't thought about this very deeply, and it's something to think about. It's, your, it's the very nature of Christ. He is light. And when you accept Christ, you are light. Amy and I can remember a time when uh, I was first saved, and we was at a, at a park, and there was a lady, and we knew, we knew this lady to not be a, a, a good woman. She was a spiritual woman, but not a, a good woman. And she it still creeps us out to this day as uh, she comes up to the car, leans in and looks at me real intently and says, you carry a lot of light. I was like, holy moly, let's get out of here. This lady's creeping me out because she was dark. We knew she was dark. But you know what? The darkness sees the light. It manifests things. And uh, she's no longer with us, praise the Lord, but... Uh, the reality is that is that you know as a Christian people people ought to uh, people ought to know that you're light 
I'm not saying that because of anything I was doing. I wasn't doing nothing other than I was changed from when I was, I was darkness and now I was light. So there was a def- definite difference because I was carrying light. I'm like, me and Amy were like, how does she know that? <laughs> so at any rate, kind of was weird. So look at 1 John 5, uh, or chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. You're in Revelation, so if you just flip a few more pages up, you'll be in 1 John, and you'll be in chapter, chapter 1. If you get to Peter in Hebrews, you've gone too far. Go back, back, back. First John chapter one, and look down in verse. Uh, look down in verse five. Now he says here, then this, th- this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. Well, we've already seen that Jesus is light in Revelation. So that because Jesus and God are the one, they're the same. The Bible makes no apologies for that. That's why he, he's not robbing God to be made equal with God in Philippians chapter 2. So God is light. Jesus is light because Jesus and God, they're, the one, they're one. These, are, these, these three are one. So this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So is there any darkness in, in Jesus? Nope. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, remember earlier we were looking and we saw that, that it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that has, has secured our salvation. It's what, it's what transitions us into this fellowship with Christ. It's, it actually changes our nature. So we become light-bearing creatures. And so he says, God is light. And then in verse 7, but if we walk in, uh, in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if you want to get cleansed, and by the way, we're working our way to the end of chapter 5. And, and, and Paul's going to reveal this mystery about how to wash your wife in the water of the word. Why is he talking about all that? Because he's, he's laying out some stuff about the light of God's word, what the light does. Uh, it, 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 the, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, when we're in fellowship with him, we walk in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship with one, one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. Now, you're clean. You're clean positionally. You, you're sanctified. You're justified. You're all of that. You're as good as glorified, seated together in heavenly places in Christ. But practically speaking, we get a decision on how we walk, right? So you can be children of light and choose to walk in darkness. That's why Paul's saying in chapter 5 and the previous verses up through verse 7, don't do that. And I love that. Isn't that awesome? So in the world today, you're going to hear this. And don't get me wrong. If you're hooked on fentanyl or heroin or something, you know, meth even, it, it does take some physical separation sometimes to get away from those drugs. But the truth is, as a Christian, it's just like me being fat. Let me just use that as a great example because that's for real. And so, you know why I'm fat? Because I choose to eat too much. And you know when I want to lose weight? I quit eating so much. And that's a decision. It's just a choice. Now, today, you would, the way the world works is you got to go and there's, a, there's a, some sort of... Uh, 
there's got to be a psychological problem, and then you got to get a drug for it, and then you're always a victim, and it's not your fault. It's not your fault that you can't stay away from ice cream, right? No, it is my fault. Now, I, don't, I can't speak for everybody else who's not saved, but I'm saved. And because I've saved, I got, I got options. The Bible makes it very clear. I can choose to walk in light. I can choose to walk in darkness. I can choose to, to, to follow the Lord. I can choose to rebel like an a, a errant child. Why? Because God has given me liberty. And I will pay the consequences, right? Because we will reap what we sow. But he wants us to do what's right because that's how we express love. When he gives us opportunity to do good and we do it, what are we doing? We're loving our Father because when we keep his commandments, we love him. And we know what to do and we don't. Well, the Bible calls it very clearly sin. He that knoweth to do good and doesn't, well, that's sin. You can choose Christ or you can choose. You can, that's even how to get saved. You can choose. God makes us, gives us an ability to choose. Uh, he's always going to get the, same, the right outcome. But you get to choose where you're going to fall into that outcome. So this sounds simple. But when we look deeper into to the Christians uh, being uh, children of light, children of the day, Paul told the Thessalonians, hey, you guys are children of the day. Look at the First Thessalonians 5 and verse 5. They face this difficult persecution. And you know, it's interesting what, how he, he phrases this. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5. He says, uh, he says uh, <clears throat> Ye are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And there's a lot more going on here because he's talking about a dark day that's coming, which is, by the way, right upon us. This is a really good passage for us today. But he's emphasizing that, that ye are all children of light. Children of light. And the children of the day. We belong in the light. We're children of the light. We're not children of darkness. We're not children of the night. We're children of the day. Uh, he says that. I didn't say that. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let, and Paul's going to talk a little bit about drunkenness. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and a helmet, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So God has appointed us to salvation. He's not appointed us to wrath. He's not going to appoint us to darkness. He's appointed us to light. We're children of light. That's who we are. God is teaching us through Paul that, that, we, are, that, we, that we are light, but we were darkness, and now we're, we are light. So Adam fell, but Christ, well, he rose. And when Adam fell, humanity went into darkness. When Jesus Christ came... He was and he is the light of the world. When we receive Christ, <clears throat> the light of Christ enters our soul. Literally, Christ in us. The same king that's going to be sitting in New Jerusalem, lighting up the world, literally, by his countenance, <laughs> is the same being that has sealed my soul, That is, if you're saved, that has sealed your soul till the day of redemption. I mean, that is, that's who's in us. Light is in us. Christ is our light. He is our life. So when you receive Christ, the light of Christ enters your soul because Christ enters your soul via the Spirit of God, which is the third person of the Godhead. These three are one. And so you're not just in the light. You are now light. And our nature has been changed. Although it does not yet appear to the magnitude of which it's been changed. 
Just like when Tyreek Hill was born, nobody knew that he was going to be catching balls running through the, the, across the gridiron for the Chiefs. But man, that guy's fast. But God had already put that in there. When you get saved, the glory that will be revealed is, is Christ in you, coupled with the decisions that you've made to obey him in this walk. You say, oh, oh yeah, oh there's a, there's, yeah, you can be a little dimmer, right? None of us are going to be as bright as the sun at the resurrection, but some of you might be super bright. And others of us might be like, twinkle, twinkle, little star, I can't even see that thing. You know, and, and so the light needs to emanate from us. Some folks are like 5-watt bulbs, some are 25-watt, some are 100-watt, you know, some are just, some are beaming. I used to have a, I used to, back in the day when we built the church, that's what I wanted as our, like, as our thing here. I wanted to put like a big spotlight in the ground that when people drove up 71 Highway, or 49 now, I-49, they'd see this big beam shooting into the sky, because I wanted us to be a light in the midst of a crooked, perverse nation. Wouldn't that be cool? I still think that'd be cool. I don't know if the airport across the street would like that. We'd probably have airplanes coming in and, ban- and laying in on our roof. But, uh, but that'd be cool. A light, big old light beam. Why? Because we're light. We're to be a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We're to shine as lights in this world. I can't even believe I didn't put that in my reference. I don't even have that in my references. Philippians chapter 2. It's one of my, it's a vision verse for our church. Uh, and so I'll talk more about the collective nature uh, of our light. But... As we, as we walk, we should walk as children of light. Now, it is true that we are light and we're light beings, but there's also, we are to walk as children of light. So I, I got a few references here just for uh, application. Um, it, the, you know, the phrase children of light is mentioned only, it's only mentioned four times in the New Testament. And the, the first one is in Luke 16, 8. Um, and the, the other two mentions, by the way, the, there's two in the New Testament that we've already covered. And then there's um, the ones in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we've just looked at and ones in, that we just read in Ephesians in Paul's writings. The other two are in the Gospels. The first one's in Luke 16, 8. And it says, And the Lord commanded the unjust steward because, or commended. i got to wear my, I'm getting old. i got to wear my glasses, guys, or I can't see. That's just frustrating. I need a new body. So, and the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Isn't that interesting? It's possible for the children of this world to be wiser than children of light. How does that happen? How can the children of this world who are in darkness be wiser than the children of light who are in Christ? That's like responsive. You can give me an answer. What do you think? Maximizing their resources, that's, that's yep, using what God, what's been given to them. Well, if you go back in history, uh, these folks, Jesus was writing from their face and they couldn't see him. They were blind. You know, Nicodemus says, hey, you're a good teacher, come from God. So they were more religious than they were righteous. They were following rules. But they didn't, when the Messiah showed up, they missed him. They knew the Bible, but they had no life. All they had was a dead religion. And so it's possible for people that even have the light of God's word to miss it. 
And so it's important that, uh, that we don't do that. It's basically, it's, it, we know what it boils down to? The heart. It's the heart. The problem was their heart. You can't even get saved if your heart's not right. If you don't have a broken and contrite heart, you're not going to receive the seed of God's word. He's not going to enter. When you confess with the mouth, you've got to believe in the heart that God has raised him from the dead. If you don't believe the record that God has given you, the light that God has given you, the light that God has given you, you ain't going to get saved. If you don't understand that this is what saves you, we're born again by the blood of Christ. Amen. You're born again uh, by faith. Amen. But you know what? You're born again by the word of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When people who are lost apply the Bible more than people who should apply the Bible don't, guess what? They're wiser than the people that are supposed to be in the light. How many Christians do you know that say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, if they really are, and yet they discard the light of God's word? And here you got lost people running around doing a better job of obeying the principles of this book in their lost state, and God will bless that more than he will somebody who knows what to do and doesn't do it. It's a sad situation. That's how it was at the first coming, and I tell you what, it isn't going to be much different at the second coming. John chapter 12, verse 36 Another reference, Jesus Christ, John chapter 12 says, While ye have light, believe in the light that ye may be children of light. Right? While ye have light, believe in the light. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I do believe God gives people a measure of faith. I, mean, I do believe that it, when I was getting, I, God gave me little pieces of the Bible, John three sixteen, little opportunities, even creation. I remember having a conversation one time with somebody when I chose creation over science. Well, actually, I chose science over false science falsely so-called. But I, I was having a discussion with someone about creation, and they were like, it's all evolution. We're literally outside in the dark looking at the stars. And I'm like, I just can't buy that. I just can't buy this is all evolution because something you know cause and effect i'm using the principles of science things just don't happen they got to start somewhere there has to be a beginning and then we start talking about the big bang and and i'm like going back and forth and i'm not a christian i'm just talking and we're going back and forth and the more this guy defended evolution the less i could believe it i'm like that just doesn't as i'm looking at the stars i'm like that doesn't make sense you know what i think god bless that I got another opportunity, and he was leading me closer and closer back to the, the light. Eventually, a few years later, somebody opened up the Bible, and then our heart was ready to receive the light. And I tell you, if you don't receive God's word, you're not going to receive Christ. If you don't receive God's word, you're not receiving the light. That's why the world's in darkness now, because even the, literally the Bible's being being diminished by the day by the week that's why we're committed to literally publishing the bible there may be a day when you can't get a bible we'll have to go into you know be like threshing our wheat back here in the back and like uh gideon you know trying to get the bibles out because that book freaks people out so anyway that's not in my notes either i just got to say you're not going to receive the children of this world man i tell you what they're they're wiser than children of light children of light don't even pick up their bible 
I was talking to a Christian the other day. When's the last time you read your Bible? Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. Are you a Christian? I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking to the person I was talking to. I don't know. You know why you don't know? Because you you're not in the light. You're not fellowshipping. The truth. All right, moving on. So walk as children of light. Uh, Ephesians 5 and verse 8. Uh, that's where we were. That's where we still are. So these things spake Jesus, and he departed, and, and he did hide himself from them. Isn't that interesting? In John chapter 12, he's like, hey, guys, while I'm here, you ought to receive me. If you don't receive my words, though, I'm out. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5. Those are the other two mentions of the phrase children of light. So walking in the light is synonymous with walking in the spirit as well. Isn't that something? Now, so Paul, look at our text in Ephesians, back in Ephesians 5, and uh, where we were and where we are. And he says in verse 9, for the fruit of the, in parentheses, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And so when you see that, you see that he's dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, many of us are familiar with that. Galatians 5, 16 says, thus I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the, the flesh, right? In Galatians 5.22, the Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. All right, but you could also, Paul's letting us know that this walking in the Spirit is synonymous with walking in the light. You have the Spirit of God in you? Well, just let Him out. Walk in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. Temperance against such there is no law. All right, so he's like, just let it out. But you can also read that when you see a parenthesis. You can read it and, and kind of skip over it. So Paul says, for ye were, verse 8, sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the, in the Lord. Walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So in addition to him letting us know that when you're walking in light, you're walking in the Spirit. When you're walking in the Spirit, you're walking in light. That's just kind of like, hey, go read the epistle of Galatians and get this thing figured out. That'll take care of everything through verse 7. When you walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I was just talking with someone about that. They were struggling with their salvation, and, and they really, I think, were saved, but the issue was that they were struggling to walk in the Spirit. And I said, hey, this is, what, this is the problem, is your flesh is hungry for what it wants. But what you got to do is fill up your soul with what it wants. So the next time you want to do this or that, I don't want to get into this or that, I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you take your Bible and read a portion of, of, of a verse or go read these verses? I gave him some verses to read. I said, fill up with this first. And you know what? It's interesting how you, your appetite for that will start to go away. When you choose the word first, the appetite, I'm not saying your appetite goes away completely. You know what? I get hungry all the time. I eat and then I get hungry again, right? You got to fill your spirit. Your, your, the, your soul needs to be filled up daily. But if you don't fill up your soul with the Word of God, well, yes, you're going to act carnal. Yes, you're going to look like a child of darkness because you're not filling up with your soul needs, the, needs nourishment. It needs, the, it, needs, it needs what it needs. you got to fill it up. Anyway, feed that nature. It's like our discipleship one, two hungry dogs, right? The one you feed is going to be the one that gets dominant, coupled with the attitude of the heart. So we need to walk in the light. And that, in verse 11... It tells us, he says there, that proves what is acceptable to the Lord. All right. And what's verse 12 say? He says, well, um, verse, uh, verse 11, I'm sorry, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them 
For this is, it is a shame even uh, to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now, this is a lot like what we talked about back on the, I think it was the 16th or whatever, when we met last time. Um, but in verse 11, he's saying, you know what? When you walk in the light, it proves what's acceptable to the Lord. When you walk in the light, it orders our fellowship, verse 12, separating us from unfruitful works of darkness and causing us to reprove them. Um, and then in verse 13, walking in the light, it orders our speech. He says, but all things that are uh, reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever things doth make manifest is light. Um, I'm sorry, verse 12 uh, is what I should have said. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Right? It modifies our speech. It orders our speech in verse 12. And if we're, and if, uh, we're walking in the light, we're not, we're, we are not shedding uh, light on... We are shedding, I'm sorry, light on the darkness uh, by the light that's in us. Conversely, notice the number of rebellion, verse, uh, verse 13. But all things are... Uh, reproved uh, that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest is light and so the light brings out brings uh, illumination to things that are in darkness so in second corinthians 4 3 the this is a verse that just really rocked me many many years ago just to think about the, the this reality and it starts with a conjunction junction right what's your function so in first in first second uh, Corinthians four, I'm just gonna just look at this real quick with me. Second Corinthians chapter four, they don't have all the verses I'm gonna be talking about. So second Corinthians chapter four, the Bible says here, <clears throat> therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not, we don't quit, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Just like what he's talking about when we walk in the light, that's what happens. Not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. You know, people will use the Bible to manipulate. He says, no, not us. Um, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Then he says, but. This is what the conjunction junction is functioning as. It says, but. That's what we would like to see happening. But, but, if you don't do that, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to who? Who's it hid to? You have them that are lost. And you know what? It's not just that it's hid to them that are lost. There's an active agent. It says here, it's hid them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the, here it comes, light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There again, we see that Jesus Christ is the image of God, and he is the light. How do we get the image of God? How do we get the light of, the God, of God? Through the gospel. But if we're not putting out the gospel, guess what? It's going to affect people that are lost. I know right now Calvinism is a real big deal. Everybody's like, well, it's all in God's providence, and it's all everyone's elect, and God knows who. Well, listen, that is not what, first, that's not a, that is not what 2 Corinthians 4 says. Yes, Jesus died for the world, but it's up to us to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. And God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And if we don't, well, it'll affect our glory at the resurrection and our ability to bring him glory for all of eternity. All right, so Matthew chapter 5, the Bible says in verse 13, Ye are salt of the earth, but the salt have lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? 
It's henceforth, it's henceforth good for nothing. But to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now, of course, he's, he's speaking in Matthew 5 to the nation of Israel. So doctrinally, he's dealing with Israel. and God has a purpose for Israel. So this is a devotional application. But in verse 16, he says, So, or he goes, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, one of the ways that people know we're Jesus' disciples is that we, we walk in love. We walk, not just walk in the light, we walk in love. The Bible says that people know we're disciples because we have love one toward another. One of the ways that light is manifest is through the love of Christ. When we love God, and you hear that, it's almost like just a mantra, it's no big deal, the great commandment, love God, love people. That's a big deal because when you love God and you love your brother, people can see the light. The light comes on. That's just like in a family. When a husband loves his wife, that's the, how the chapter ends. It lights up the house. The kids see that. I remember when I was a kid, to this day, my dad loved my mom. I know he loved her. He's not just stated it, he showed it. And so I'm coming up through life, and it was cool when I was a kid to get divorced. Everybody got divorced in the 70s. And so uh, all my friends' parents are getting divorced. And uh, I, remember, I mean, that's common. I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to get, I don't want my parents to get divorced. One day, my sisters asked my dad, why don't you divorce mom? You know what he told them? I'll never forget this. I was nine years old. I'll never forget this because I was overhearing them talking about it. Uh, they said, he said because he loved her. That was it. Now, by the way, that wasn't because they had such troubles. They needed to be divorced. It was just a cool thing back then. Everybody was talking about divorce. My sisters were older than me. I was like a little nine-year-old kid. I was terrified of the concept of my parents getting divorced. You guys, many of you have been through all that. You know the pain and all that. I'm this little nine-year-old kid. Like, we're, and man, when, they, when I heard my sister say that about my dad, it brought this peace to my heart. You know what it brought? It brought light. It was a little picture, a little type of what the Bible's getting us to get, get ready to see in the mystery in chapter 5 of Christ in the church. The light of Christ. When we do the biblical things, the light of Christ, even if we don't know what we're doing, the light of Christ it's just it just it just it just resonates. So walking in the light is a manifestation that we are awake. Okay? If you're not walking in the light, you're asleep. And asleep in the Bible is also like and in John chapter eleven, what somebody tell me, what is sleep other than Ron or Tom? In John chapter eleven, what is uh what is sleep like? Yeah, death. It's like death. And so check this out. Look at Romans 13. Paul has a lot to say about this to the church in Romans. He's, he's kind of rocking them a little bit. Now, Romans uh, chapter 13 and verse 11. Look over there. Walking in the light is a manifestation that we're awake. And so Paul says here, and that knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believe. Now, we've already seen that we're children of the light, not children of wrath, right? Now Paul's saying in Romans 11 that because of that, because now is the time to be awake out of sleep, now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us uh, put on the armor of light. Those are decisions. Is it an accident that we're in chapter 13 and verse 12 and he's talking about 
taking off this and putting on that. That's the same verbiage he uses in Ephesians. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put off the works of the flesh. And then he goes to chapter 6 and says, put on the armor. No. So it all ties together. And he goes on to say, and let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Man, I just heard yesterday a report of some strife and envying. It was sad to hear. I'm like, man, you know what that means? There's somebody, and this is in our church, walking in darkness. Shame on them. Stop it. Not everybody in this room. Stop it if you're watching. Because you can. Stop it. And walk. choose to walk in the light. Wake up. That's what that's what Paul's saying. Wake up! The day is at hand. You're gonna be in the you're gonna be in eternity before you know it. Why waste your time in darkness? What kind of baloney is that? Let us walk honestly as in the day. Right? When you're walking in the day, you can see what's going on. Don't be hiding stuff under the rug. Sin of Achan, what's under the tent floor, you know? Hiding sin, Babylonian garment, whatever. No. Let's come out. Let's be honest. Let's walk honestly as in the day. Not in, well, what does it look like to walk dishonestly? Well, in rioting and drunkenness. That's pretty appropriate because we had a lot of rioting going on the last 12 months. I'm not talking about peaceful protests. I'm talking about riots. <laughs> you know, when I was lost, we used, that was one of our favorite bands, Quiet Riot, right? Rioting is part of the deal when you're in darkness. So, now we're not going to do, so, we're not going to do rioting. Not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, make not provision, I should say, for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. What he says is starve your flesh. Because your flesh wants what it wants. I say that with all authority. My flesh wants what it wants. Right? I know that. So what are you supposed to do? Starve it. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you're here tonight. That's why you're watching online, I'm sure. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, where we were earlier. Talking about the resurrection, verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You communicate with evil, guess what? It's going to corrupt your the mannerisms of your life. Awake to righteousness. Awake, he says. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. Awake, Wake up. Not because of your sake, but for the sake of others. Be light. Awake. Because we know that being awake is synonymous with being in the light. First Thessalonians, we know that from Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. High time to awake out of, out of sleep. Because our salvation is nearer than when we believed. First Thessalonians 5, we've already been there. Verse 4 says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. We've talked about that. Ye are all, he said all, children of, of light, talking to the church, and children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. He says, listen, if you're of the light, you need to be awake. There's a reason that if you've had decent sleep, the, the sun comes up, and what do you do? You wake up. People that, are in the, that have slept through the night wake up in the day. Because we're the day, what Paul's saying, what the Lord is saying to us is we need to be awake. We need to be on our A game. We need to be privy to what God's doing. Don't sleep as do others. right? Don't compare yourselves with others. Do what Jesus does. Wake up. Watch. Be sober. He's even using wartime terms. Watch. Be vigilant. Be sober. 
For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So if you want to wake up, you put on Christ, you put on the breastplate of, of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and love. Love is acting out on what God has showed you. You begin to do and be who Christ has saved you to be. That's really all our discipleship process is, is we teach people the Bible and pray that God, they will become the person that Christ has saved them to be. We don't manipulate that. We don't make anybody do anything. It's a decision because it's got to be based in love. Obedience has to come from love. And man, that's when it really lights up the room. So of all times in church history, this is not the time to go to sleep. This is not the time to be slumbering. This is the time to be awake, to be sober, to be vigilant, because the resurrection awakens our soul. And this is what the, the world needs the most today, because they're in darkness. So Ephesians 5 and verse 14 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Is he saying resurrect? No, that's going to come later. He's saying, but you might as well be as good as resurrected. There's a reason we used to have revival meetings. Because we need people's dead souls, starting in the pulpit, but, but all through the church. People need to wake up, be awake, revive like the resurrection. Because the reality is the day is dark. And we are to be out preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so the next point is to walk uh, circumspectly. Walk circumspectly. In verses 15 through 21, Paul goes on to say, uh, in chapter 5 there, he, moved, he kind of transitioned. So we, we've, you can see now that now that we're awake, we've gone in the first part, the first seven verses, we've gone away from the darkness. Now we've gotten into the light, and now we're going to start walking circumspectly because now we're in war. We've woken up. We're woke. We're woke in the Bible. <laughs> we're awake. We're woke, man. It's awesome. That'll get banned. So walk, in, walk circumspectly, it say, he says here. Walk, see then as you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Be awake, be light, be walking circumspectly. Be, wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's like, be awake and know what God's word says. That's what God's will is. You know what a will is? A will is the things that, that are bequeathed to you. When you go to open up a will and a testament, this is they say, this is bequeathed to the Slicesters. This is bequeathed uh, to the Taboras. This is bequeathed to, uh, to Bob. And this is bequeathed to Kelly. And this is bequeathed to Jamie. And this is bequeathed to my Facebook friend. And this is bequeathed to, uh, to Alvarez's, right? And so, and Mrs. Anderson. And the young couple, I can't remember. Cody and Taylor. Is that right? There you go. That was a miracle. So, so, uh, so God, God bequeaths you stuff. He's like, wake up and realize that God's got an inheritance for you. Remember the beginning of Ephesians? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places, the deity of Christ, all that stuff. And now you've been quickened, you've been brought to life. Well, now wake up and realize it, man. God's got something for you. Know what the will of the Lord is. Be wise. Don't be unwise. Don't get drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, man. Change it out. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Man, I can just, as I'm going through this, I can remember when I got saved. And without anybody, I hadn't even been to church yet. First day I get saved, I get the Spirit of God. First day I get saved, I get a 12-pack or a case of, I think it's a case of beer. You know why? Because the devil was wanting to knock me off. Of course. 
So I go hide my beer. I think it was a 12-pack. So I go hide my beer at my brother-in-law's house because I'm 16. And so I go hide my beer at my brother. And then when I was 16, nobody gave me beer. It was, it was always like a battle to find my beer when I was lost. So, so this, I get saved the first day. Boom. I didn't even ask. I show up to a friend of mine. like, hey, this guy gave me a beer for payment at this restaurant. And, well, I'm, he's 15. He's like, I can't take that home. I'm like, great. Pop the truck, put it in the trunk. Because the Spirit of God's dealing with me. I don't know anything. I hadn't even been to church yet. I just got saved that day. So I go take it over to my, my brother-in-law's house because I can't take it home either. And then I put it in my brother-in-law's fr- fridge, and and uh, and then one day at, at, I'm working up at Pizza Hut delivery, making my pizzas, and it's break time. I'm like, all right, I get a half hour here. I'm going to run down to my brother-in-law's house to visit with him. And so we go down there, and I sit down, you know, and I he said, you got that beer? He's, oh, yeah, so I'm getting my beer out, and you know, and I'm just sitting there drinking my beer, trying to get, you know, I'm like, oh, I got to get back to work. There's one, dung. And then I get my next one out, and I, you know, and I'm sitting there talking. And the whole, this is not, I'm not, God is, God knows. I haven't been to church yet. And I'm saying, hey, Gerald, I'm like, you got to get saved. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross for your sins, man. I'm like, you got to get saved. You know, and I'm, but all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm not. I'm, I'm not as clear. I'm not. I don't. I wasn't fall down drunk, but I couldn't witness anymore. I, I just was like, "What is going on here?" I was still trying to talk about it, but I could see it was just like, "This isn't working." Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That's quenching the Spirit. So I, I put it away. Now, I wasn't an alcoholic. I drank a lot when I was lost, but I wasn't an alcoholic. An alcoholic would have struggled. Their flesh would have been stronger. For me, it was just a, a habit. So I don't want it for the alcoholics. Well, man, why it wasn't it that easy for me? Hey, your flesh is addicted to sin, and that just ha- wasn't happening to be my addiction at the time. So, so you're off the hook. If you're addicted to alcohol, you can't have anything to do with it, and you need help, and I get that. And we're a church that helps with all that stuff. So my point isn't just to say if you're addicted to something. It's like Shane Watts, meth dealer, not just a user. And God gave him the grace to put it down. I mean, that just doesn't always happen that easy. Um, It's just God's grace. But it does happen. So in this case, uh, for me, it was like quench the spirit, man. I cannot witness like this. Hadn't even been to church yet. It wasn't because Pastor Brian got up and preached, you know, you shouldn't drink alcohol. It was the Holy Spirit said, hey, pal, you shouldn't drink. So I put it away. I put it away, and I, I haven't picked it up since. So uh, so I'm just saying, he's, that's what the speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Then, then the next thing, I told this a million times, not long after that, I'm like, I love music. I used to get up to music. I used to live my life through music. I couldn't operate without 38 Special or Van Halen or something rolling through my head. I had to have my music. And then one day, I'm just like uh, singing. And I like the hymns, by the way. I got saved. I started singing hymns. And then one day, I'm just like singing Running with the Devil with Van Halen. And I'm just like, why am I singing about running to the devil? Running with the de- I'm not running with the devil. 
And God's like, yeah, I know. I've been trying to tell you that. You need to, it's, I love Van Halen. What about all these tapes? <laughs> that back, we used to have these things called tapes. They were like this big. And so, uh, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, well. Now, I didn't go burn them or anything. I wasn't worshiping Van Halen. But I had, I, I just, now, I'm not, I'm telling you, it's not because some preacher like me right now got up and said, you shouldn't listen to Van Halen. It's of the devil. It just was like, like when I was lost, like ACDC, there was something about that that was like, you know, I really am not, I don't want to go to hell. And I really don't want to get on the highway. You know, I just, that troubled me before I was even a Christian. But then once I got saved, this, this certain music I started listening to was like, yeah, Brian, can you find something else? So I started listening to Wayne Watson, who nobody even knows who he is anymore, and all these people. And uh, who's that other guy that, uh, anyway, doesn't matter. But I just found other, other things I could listen to that, that were much better for me. And so why was that? Because I just wanted to be wise. I realized that there was things pulling at me to hinder me from doing what I'm doing right now. If I would not, if I would have just said, you know what? Brother so-and-so says it's okay to drink, so I'm going to drink. Well, guess what I'd be doing right now? And you guys wouldn't see any light. And I'd be, I'd be sleeping, sawing logs, dead as a doornail as a Christian. And you wouldn't know me from a lost person. I've seen it happen too many times. And I know, I got friends right now watching this, going, you're a teetotaler, blah, 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 legalistic. I'm just telling you, 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 you pick your poison. Whatever you know is quenching the spirit, keep doing it with your liberty in Christ and see how you go. And it won't be long, and you'll be fast asleep. And people's souls will be at risk. And at the judgment seat of Christ, if you're born again, you will give account for that. I will give account for the things I allow. You'll give account for the things that you allow. I'm not beating anybody up over it. I'm just being honest. He says, be circumspect. Be wise. Look around. Quicken yourself. Get up. Realize that there's a real battle going on. And it makes me angry, actually. Because, man, if... If I wouldn't have had somebody, Earl Cross, man, led me to Christ, if he wouldn't have been on his A-game and taken the time to share the gospel with me, I would be lost to this day, most likely. But because a teacher took time out of his life and his schedule to say, hey, you, you're asking good questions. Come over to my class after school. Let me put my job on the line right now and uh, see, if, see if you can get saved. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happened. Because he took the time. If he was just being stupid with his life, even though he was saved, living in luxury, not caring about what God's will was, not knowing that people were lost, not caring that people were lost, not caring that his light was hid, well, guess what? It would have been hid, and I would have been lost. So I t I, I'm so thankful. I, I'm so thankful that Earl was on. And so I, I don't I want to return the favor. That's all I'm saying. Because it means so much to me. I know I like pray to God, God, leave the light on in my life leave the light on in these people's lives leave the light on because it makes a difference so i'm passionate about that and walk this way right not like who's that aerosmith that's right walk this way not like a transvestite so walk like a child of light right so that's the thing the world says walk this way and god says no walk this way follow me i'll make you fishers of men Walk circumspectly. Have your head on a swivel. 
Behold, I send you forth as sheaves in the midst of wolves. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children in understanding be men. Well, I've struggled with that, to be honest with you. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Also, Romans says, uh, Be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. It's easy to study things that are, that are really not, they're, they're, uh, they're malpractice. They'll, they'll lead you the wrong way. It's, it's easy to study. You don't need to study too much of how the mob operates. Let me just tell you that. It doesn't matter how they operate. They operate in darkness. What you need to study is light. How does the church operate? How does God operate? That's what matters. And then you'll shed light on all the darkness. You know what I'm saying? Spend your time focusing on what's true, not, not getting caught up in things that don't matter. Brother, be not children in understanding, right? <clears throat> uh, you should understand the word of God. Be men when it comes to understanding the Bible. Grow up is what he's saying. Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. You've only got so many opportunities, so much time. Wake up, go, it's the daytime, run, night's coming. The sun's going to set. Let's get it done. Walk circumspectly because, well, we're up against the clock. Verse 16, that's what it says in Ephesians 5. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Know the word of God. Understand the will of the Lord, what it is, and abstain from alcohol. I love that verse eighteen. I got a beat on that before we're done. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Wine's a mocker, and strong drink is raging. And I know folks are so stable that they can handle their liquor, but the Scripture says, "Be not unwise." Unless it's medical purposes, man, you probably ought to be away from it. Proverbs twenty verse one: Wine's a mocker, strong drink is raging, and this is fresh to me. I just heard a report of somebody I care about. I won't get into details. But the bottom line is this. You know what? Wine hurt, or wine hurt alcohol, drugs hurts people. And the people that think it doesn't, they're foolish. Proverbs 31, 4 says, It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert judgment of any afflicted, of any of the afflicted, Give strong drink unto him that's ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Hey, if you need a you need a shot of whiskey to get ready to die, I'm all for it. I'm not you know I'm not saying you can't take a shot of whiskey to handle your your uh, flu symptoms or whatever. I'm not I'm not that crazy. But on what I'm saying is the Bible is clear. You don't want to play with fire; you'll get burnt. It's like a serpent; it'll bite you. Choose the Spirit of Christ. That's also what he's saying. Choose the Spirit of Christ over alcohol. The manifestation of the Spirit is in contrast to the impact of alcohol. Alcohol consumed, what's it do? It gives you a false peace. You ever, you just kind of get calmer. Kind of helps you cope. Right? I need to steady my nerves. Give me some alcohol. Well, guess what? When you get saved, that's what the Spirit of God should be doing. It should be giving you peace. Alcohol, when you consume it, it, it provides this joy, man. That kind of a, hey, hey, man. Unless you kind of twerk and you get angry, but that's another story. It gives you a good time. You know what? When you get saved, the Spirit of God should provide joy, love and joy. Alcohol gives you a sense of boldness and invincibility. You're ready to conquer the world. The Spirit of God provides boldness to preach the gospel as we ought and witness and and. Do things that people point at you and go, that's foolish. Foolishness of preaching. 
The bar is considered a place of social discourse. But after midnight, it turns into a place of brawl, brawling and all other things. Rape, murder, all kinds of things go on. For real. The local New Testament church, endued with the Spirit of God, is a place of genuine fellowship, a place of peace among the brethren. Paul already addressed that in chapter 4 and verse 32. Remember that? He says, hey, you know what? You need to make sure that, uh, that you're kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There's a place of peace. There's a place of forgiveness. You know what? Being filled with the Spirit, it's incredible. I'm going to stop there because I'm out of time. So let's pray. We'll pick it up in verse 19, which is really a good place to pick it up next time. So I'm going to mark my notes here, and uh, we'll pick it up there next time. Is there any questions? All right. Well, thanks for coming tonight. Remember to pray uh, for uh, Jim Boyette and uh, all the things going on with him. Brandy Winters.